You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is John Townley. I'll be hosting today's debrief, Aston Villa 2, Arsenal 4, and I'm with Matt Kendrick. Matt, are you okay? Yeah, I still can't believe that score. And I can't. I still. I still can't believe that. I, that I was believing that there'd be anything other than that score. To be honest, because you know it was. It was. It was very Aston Villa, wasn't it today? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we. I know you only asked me how I was, but you know what I'm like. You. I'm <laughs> just go off on one. Yeah, it's a big question. I thought we played pretty well. To be honest, I, I thought it was a little bit of um, architects of our own downfall again, um, particularly goals one and two. Um, that we conceded, I thought three. You know, you can't. That, that was just bad karma for Emmy Martinez, wasn't it? There's, there's not a great deal you can do about that one. And then the fourth one, you're just chasing the game. Um, but I thought some of the football we played were, was good. I thought we we set off with the right tempo. Um, I thought McGinn coming back into the team. I thought he played played really well. Lots of energy, um, kind of leading leading the charge, if you like, in terms of tearing around the pitch. Um, but that's that's why Arsenal are, you know, they're back on top, aren't they? Well, temporarily anyway. Um, that that's why they look like they're real challenges this year because they they find a way find a way to win games. Um, and I think I think a draw probably would have been fair. I'm probably being biased as a Villa fan, but I think we yeah. did enough to get a get a draw. But they've got the quality in the end and the and the, and the character to to force the issue, haven't they? Yeah, I, I think a draw would have been fair. I mean, the one moment obviously they had that they probably should have scored from before the Martinez moment was the uh, Odegaard situation. But I don't feel like they, or not from recollection, I don't remember them like carving us open too many times or having uh, chances where they, I don't know, it was all sort of, it's just our own undoing. Like, we'll go on to it. But the first goal I thought that we conceded Martinez's kicking wasn't great throughout the game. That sort of penned us back a little bit and... Yeah, just really frustrating day, and obviously four two. I don't know where the last two goals came from, and yeah, really annoying. We'll start as we always do with going over the team. Um, I think it was three changes, I believe. I think it was Moreno, McGinn, and uh, Coutinho all came in. Uh, Bailey coming out, Luca Dean, and Jacob Ramsey as well. Were you surprised by those, Matt? At all? I, I agree. I thought uh, McGinn was excellent today. I thought Watkins was brilliant too. Um, but in the some of the pre-match shows that we've been doing ahead of the game, I thought McGinn and Coutinho would both come back in after uh, both playing well against Man City. Moreno as well, I thought, in the last couple of games. So it wasn't necessarily a shock to me to see Ramsey and uh, Bailey taking out the fire. Yeah, I thought all, all three all three justified justified their places anyway. I thought all three of them kind of yeah. played played well in, in dispatches, basically. Um it's an interesting one with with Ramsey because he's had kind of a, an untimely injury, and so is so is McGinn. It's Kamara and um, and Louise have got those two sewn up pretty much now, haven't they? Those two, the two out the three midfield. So I think it is direct competition for for Ramsey and McGinn, which I think is a good place for us to be. To be honest, I think both of them can bring that little bit of perhaps energy that we we don't have, or or that that tempo, or that that desire to make things happen. Um, so. I don't know. I was surprised. I didn't get into Villa Park till about twenty-eight minutes past twelve because uh, I went to watch my daughter play football in um, in Wolverhampton, and uh, 
Then my wife dropped me off at dropped me off at the Tesco's by Villa Park, and I just about got there in time. So uh, I missed all the fuss about Tom Hanks. Well, did Hanks come on the pitch anyway, or not? Or was that that was that just? I, yeah, I usually get in there quite early, so you I, I come in pretty much as soon as the gates opened, and he was there with Persler, um, just out towards the um, uh, the tunnel, you know, like underneath the press zone. He yeah. was there with Persler for a, for a bit, and then he. He sort of went as the fans started to trickle in, you know, probably a wise decision. But yeah, he, he didn't look like Tom Hanks up until the end. And I, th- I said to my dad, Oh, that's Tom Hanks. That's why everyone, there's a big fuss trying to work out who it was. But yeah, shame for him. He's one of the world's best actors, mate. He's a master, master of disguise. Um, <laughs> very, um, very Christian Perslow, that is. You know, he's seen Will Ferrell doing the rounds in the last couple of weeks. He thought, Well, no, nah, hang on a minute. Forget about that. We'll get a. Uh, we'll get Tom Hanks in at Villa Park. Um, I met Tom Hanks. I thought, Have you seen my picture of me and Tom Hanks? I haven't, no. Oh, well, I'll, bore, I'll bore you with that, mate. After I'll, I'll, I'll ping you, I'll WhatsApp you. But uh, we'll get on to the match in a minute. Um, but yeah, we, we we saw him at a game in, in Portland, I think, on a pre-season tour. Uh, so he has watched the Villa before. Yeah. And um, our press room was right next to his objective box. And just we thought, we're just going to have to go in. So we're just going to gate. So I've got, I'll show you a picture later, but he's looked, he's looked shocked from the weirdo. Um Anyway, anyway, what was the original question, John? You were talking about um, the team changes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the we'll go on to this later, but I think his changes for to the starting eleven um, worked better than he. Uh, that, I'll, I'll talk about his subs later because I, 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 I'm, I'm unsure whether they were the right ones or the wrong ones, or whether it was just coincidence that it got away from us, but. Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't particularly surprised by the starting lineup, but I was. I was pleasantly surprised by the way that we we started the game and we tried yeah. to, um, you know, kind of have at least a two two man press rather than Watkins leading it on his own. Yeah, and I think we obviously we started well enough to score a goal. Um, we seem to score a lot of early goals at Villa Park since since uh, Jared was sacked. Obviously, had the. I think it was three and 15 minutes against Brentford. We, we've touched on it before. We had obviously Man United as well and Leeds. Loads of goals that we scored and it was always at the Holt end. But then obviously today we were kicking towards uh, the north. So yeah, strange on that. But yeah, really good start. And obviously we speak about Watkins, but when he had that chance, I previously I was never, you know, I'm a massive fan of Ollie Watkins and people who on the podcast will know that. But this was probably the first time or one of the first times that, you know, during his time at Villa where he shifts on his left foot and I actually think, oh, he's, you know, he's standing up, I think it was Saliba and I, th- I thought he'd score and that's only a positive thing because probably because he's been in such good form recently. Um, the goal came about, I think it was Matty Cash who just nipped in, wasn't he, and drove a little forward and then a good ball uh, to Watkins too. But as soon as he stood up, the defender, I was in no doubt that all he's got to do is, you know, slam that across goal and, and I backed him to do it and he, and he's, uh, and he put it away really well. And yeah, really good start from Villa. Obviously, we'll go on to the goals. But what did you make of the uh, of the opening, Matt? Yeah, he's become the um, bless him. He's probably become the, the the master of the consolation goal, hasn't he? Ollie Watkins in the uh, in the in the last yeah. few weeks. But he's on a decent he's on a decent streak now. Very I think four and four. Yeah, um, I think he I think it is. And uh, typical me, typical fickle Villa fan. When Cash burst through him, I thought Cash played a lovely ball. I was cursing Watkins because I thought his, his first touch had taken him too wide. I was like, "Oh God, that one's gone again." And then the next breath, in the next breath, I'm, I'm eating my own words because he's, um, you know, he has he's, he's created that little bit of space and he, he drilled it past Ramsdale. So we do seem to have this really, really encouraging habit of leading games at Villa Park early, but you know, we also have this. Uh, 
really, really frustrating habit of of giving the initiative back to back to the other team. Um, I think you touched on it a minute, John, a minute ago, John, when you know we know that Emery wants us to to play from the back and to be methodical and to to try and keep possession and build build slowly that way. Um, again, that goal has come from Martinez trying to kind of pick out his fullback and and getting it wrong and it going out for a throw-in, which is, has handed yeah. Arsenal the ball. And then the guy next to me, uh, who sits next to me, he said um, before the game, he said, he said, what do you think? He said, Ming, Ming signed his contract. Do you think he's going to do something heroic or something, you know, catastrophic? Yeah. And he made that goal on clearance, didn't he, at first? Um yeah. From Ben White was it, and I think it was offside anyway. But I thought, oh, oh so I looked at him. I said, oh, hopefully it's a heroic day. And then you know, kind of five, five, ten minutes later, he's. Um, I'm just not sure what I'm not sure what he's doing. I don't think he, you know, he couldn't get the momentum on that header to get it beyond the edge of the box. So you've either got to look to see if you can manoeuvre that out of play for a corner, or you've got to, you know, at least move it, you know, head it to the right towards the touchline. It was just, it just sat up. Look, I mean, Saka, Saka, absolutely good finish, yeah. Altered it, didn't he? But it's those moments, it's those moments that, that keep coming back to haunt us. Yeah, again, errors that avoidable errors. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what Mings was thinking with the header. We've had those moments. Uh, I think it was Chelsea a few months ago when Mason Mount scored from a Mings header. It just lapses of concentration, whatever it may be. But again, it's we always start well and we get the goal that we need, and then. As you say, we pass over the initiative and we're not going to get anywhere with that sort of... I don't know what it is. It's a mentality or it's a, It's hard to put your sort of finger on, but, you know, so we start well and then give it away. But I would say that the response after going... Say, going one down. Uh, after they equalised, I thought it was good because as soon as they equalised, you would have thought, oh, OK, well, they've got the sort of momentum now. We've had our <laughs> 10 minutes of fun and they'll come back and, and maybe get another. But I was really pleased with how we responded because although... You know, Arsenal are one of the best teams in Europe and they're top of the table. At, well, Man City have scored, haven't they? So they're not top of the table anymore. But they're one of the best teams in Europe. So we're never going to, you know, dominate a game from 1 to 90. So we're always going to be under the cosh for, you know, 20-minute spells here and there like we were at the start of the second half and like we were as soon as they equalised. Um, but we held out well again. We, we sort of restricted them to no real chances. And again, I think that's a positive. And then we get the uh, second goal, which I thought was an excellent goal that's surely going to be down as a contender for goal of the season in terms of the move um, I think it was Kamara who broke up the play or at least took the ball in the middle of the pitch and waited for Moreno to make his run down the line I think he waited a few seconds for him to sort of move behind uh, Ben White and slip him down the channel rather than play it to his feet which is good uh, slips it back and then Buendia skips over the ball and Coutinho finally gets his first goal since it would have been Man City wouldn't it the end of the end of the end of last. Is that how long it's been? Is that his first goal of the season? Yeah, it, I think he was one. That was his only goal contribution in thirty games. The Man City oh, one. So obviously now it's two in thirty-one, which isn't much better, but it's a start. And to be fair, he got that goal as well, did against Leicester, although it was chalked off, so it means nothing. But he seems to have more energy and enthusiasm about him. I don't think he could do ninety minutes though, Coutinho. So that's obviously a problem. Um, but yeah, the second goal, Matt, that was a really, really uh, well-worked goal. Something that you'd expect from Arsenal, I suppose. Yeah, I'll go to bed dreaming of that one. I'll have to. I'll probably have to have a few cans to make me forget about the rest of it. But I'll. Uh, I'll, I'll. It was just. <clears throat> I'm not trying to claim credit for this, by the way. Cause I'm not sure uh, Marino could hear my uh, <laughs> my brummy twang from um, from the top of the Trinity. But I was saying, make the run, make the <laughs> make the run. Just got to make the run. 
Um, and it was just, I just thought it was, I just thought it was a beautiful, beautiful goal. I, I, I'm still not sure of my favourite bit. I'm not sure whether it's the, the pass through to Marino, whether it's the step over from, from Buendia. Or just the finish, because I think the finish, he was, he looked like he was setting him to stick it in the bottom right, and then he's kind of whipped it back the other way and almost sent um, sent Ramsdale the wrong way. And I just mm. thought it was a, I thought it was a, a, a sublime moment. And again, the the, the the fellow next to me, I was like, uh, <laughs> I said, let's just hope because we, you know, he's a bit younger than me, but we were old and cynical. I said, let's just hope that goal's worth something at the end of this game. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, it's a bit too early to say that's going to be the winner or to say that's going to pave the way for the victory. Uh, mm. But it was a, it was a, it was a great moment. Um, yeah, even if it just becomes a, a, a consolation. Uh, it's an interesting one, is Nicotinho, because. I think that him and Buendia, I mean, stick them in a five-a-side team and they'd be brilliant, wouldn't they? You know, I don't don't think you'd uh, get the ball off them. I think they'd be be so clinical. But I think this is why, and I'm jumping ahead in here, but I think this is why Emery changed its second half because they weren't getting much of a look in second half. And you, like you said, Coutinho tires a little bit anyway. And I think he thought, if we're not going to get much of the ball, we're going to have to go direct. So we're going to get Bailey on there to, you know, any opportunity we get are going to be on the counter. Um but when they when they're working, when they're on that wavelength, when they're in tandem, it's it's beautiful to watch. Um, <laughs> sadly, you know, it doesn't. And this is not me digging out at either of them, but it, it doesn't happen often enough. Yeah, and that's probably the the reason why. I don't know we're Villa fans, but if they're on song and they're always at the top level, they're probably not playing for Villa because they're they they can be that quality of player. But it's the inconsistency that's um, you know, like when we signed Wendy from Norwich. I expected him to be at the level that we know he can be, but more consistently, and you just don't see it. Um, it's been a year and a half now, I suppose, since he signed for the club, and it's coming up to two years at the end of this season. And we haven't, I don't remember three or four games on the spin where he's at the top level. Um, and again, today I thought he was bright uh, in stages, but then he goes missing. And when Coutinho and him both go missing, that's when they both dropped and not in the team. But then, as you say, when they're on song, they can produce moments like that. So, it's a conundrum for uh, Emery, especially for next season, because you've got different profiles of player like a Bailey, who we know is quick and has got a trick and he can take players out of a game and come inside and maybe frustrate us. Same as Traore, very similar players. And then you've got Buendia and Coutinho who are very similar in their own way. Jacob Ramsey's different, but they're all neither here or there, in my opinion. Not, they don't spend four games, as I say, on top of their game. So, you know, to me, we need more reinforcements there. And I know that's spending more money, but... I don't think that, again, it's just consistency. And we've seen it today, which is great. But then, you know, you go to Everton and then you've got Palace and Bournemouth. They're going to show up for those games. We don't know because we haven't seen it. So, yeah, like someone for Coutinho, he was incredible when he first joined. That was the Coutinho that we saw at Liverpool. And then he went off the boil a bit and we obviously signed him and now he can't complete 90 minutes. So it's, um, yeah, I probably made a negative out of positive there, but that's probably my overall thoughts on the pair. No, I think. Listen, I think we are. That, that's the that's the life of a of a mid table team. Yes, that's, yeah. To be honest, the more the more you get, you know, Buendia shining, you know, three weeks out of four rather than one or two weeks out of four, then we move up another place, and then the teammate starts doing delivering that consistency. Mm. Um, so I think it's it's one of those ones where the, I think the thing that frustrates me is that we're doing some of the difficult bits in games. You know, we we creating chances, we we scoring goals. You know, I'm just trying to look at the last time we we failed to score. Um, it's been a while. I'm just looking. 
have we failed to score under Emery? I don't think we have. I'm not sure. Let me just. <laughs> I'm not sadly not got these stats at my fingertips, but I'm just having a little little look. But it's been it's been a while. I'm sure. Um, no, I think we've scored in. So the last time we, we, we didn't score was Dan, Aaron Danksy's second caretaker game when we lost lost four nil at Newcastle. So so we scoring goals, which you know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if we're doing that, and listen, I thought we thought thought for sixty minutes last week we got a bit of a not a pasting, but we got a bit of a lesson last week at, at Man City. But we've conceded eleven goals in the last three games now. I think eight of those at home, and it's just it's just basics. It's just basic yeah. until we till we were able to eradicate that, you know, the, hmm. the lads at the top end of the pitch have got they've got the work cut out, haven't they? Yeah, it's true. And again, we've I've spent ten minutes and not ten minutes. I spent five minutes there, sort of saying that Buendia and consistent continues inconsistent. But the point is, yeah, we are scoring goals. And I was coming out of the game today, and I was people were saying, oh, we've conceded like eleven. Is it eleven in three now? Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking, well, you need to add context to that. Like one of the goals today came off Martinez's back, and then the other one was obviously a, a goal that we shouldn't, you know, never going to concede if we didn't concede the other one. But then I'm like, well, if you want to get in the top seven or top six, you can't just think, oh, but we played Man City, oh, but we played Arsenal. Yeah. You've got to compete against those teams. Like when we were getting top six football under Martin O'Neill, you know, we'd beat Chelsea 2 0 at home, we'd get results on the road, you know, yeah. we can't. This is just for me. I don't know how anyone else feels about it in the comments or yourself, Matt. But I was almost coming in thinking, "Ah, oh, it's a city. It's an Arsenal. They're free hits." But next season, we can't we can't have that mentality. We have the mentality of, "Oh, Watkins has scored in the first five minutes. We keep a clean sheet and win the game." So, yeah, I don't think we approached the game like that. Certainly not not today. I don't think I don't think we approached it with any kind of fear or trepidation. We're playing against you know a team with a really good chance of, of going for the title. So I don't, I don't yeah. think it's. I don't think it's an it's an inferior complex, inferiority so. complex as such. I just think it's it's not being able to control those moments. And you know, I keep harking back to Emery's first game um, against Man United, where the one word that came out of that for me was control. It was control performance. It was control. Keep the ball when you need to. Take chance. You know, only gamble when you've you know just yeah. play, play your percentages basically. And I think. And I think that is that is his mantra. He wants us to do that. He wants us to kind of, you know, really. I mean, it's a bit of a crap analogy, but you know, the kind of like the boa constrictor when you kind of squeeze the life out of opponents. And yeah. sometimes you might have to do it slowly, and sometimes you can do it quickly. But I just I think individuals, or just moments, just individual moments, probably rather than individual players as well, are kind of letting us down. Um, and the good teams, the successful teams, the consistent teams, are the ones who are able to kind of minimise. Those those moments basically, um, yeah. but yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it was a really good game. To be honest, I thought it was um, I thought it was really entertaining, and I don't know. It probably probably makes me burn a bit bit petty, but it was uh, as much as wanting us to get the points. It was to try and frustrate them as well. But I thought Arsenal. I thought the Arsenal fans were were good. I thought um, I thought Arsenal. I wouldn't say they played like champions because we're a long a long way to go in, to go in improving that, but. I thought that they were they were quite calm, considering that that you know they've had a bit of a wobble in a couple of in the last couple of weeks. I, I didn't know whether they were going to come out like a kind of wounded animal and absolutely yeah. batter us or come out wobbling. Um, but I thought even when they conceded, they you know they got the ball back again and they started probing and they started pressing. And you know you say they didn't really carve us open that often, and I agree with it. But every time they got the ball down that right flank, 
my kind of heart was in my mouth because I think they they moved us around a little bit, even if they didn't always make the most of it. Yeah, they had... Because um, I, I was coming to the game thinking, oh, but they are a bit predictable now. We know who's going to be playing. We know they're going to be playing where. But the way that Arteta's got them set, set up, it's always a sacker on the right. And then Odegaard always drifts over towards him. And then you've got Ben White too. And then we're stuck with a Coutinho and Alex Moreno who's been kind of untested since he signed for us. So, right, that's all. that was always there. But um, you must feel like they should have had not necessarily more joy because they had a lot of joy, but they didn't really make, as you say, too much from it. I actually thought yeah. we dealt with it relatively well. Um, just picking up on the point you made there, Matt, about the controlling games bit, I think that's a good point because what we've seen from Emery and the best we've seen from Emery so far, obviously the Spurs win away, the Brighton win away, um, all those, that's that we know that's what will make us a top six team, a top seven team, and all the teams that have got into that, like a Wolves, for example, under Nuno, it wasn't necessarily brilliant to watch, but they would always, again, control a game, and you know that they could go to games away and win like they would at home, and West Ham as well. So it's the proofs in the pudding that that's what happens. So that's where we need to go from now. But it is alarming that all of a sudden, after his first six or five, five, six games, we're now considering a lot of goals, and again. Just because it's City and Arsenal doesn't mean that you kind of get a free pass with that and bring up a comment quickly from um, Dream Villain. Their equaliser was basically the same as uh, same Stevenage. And I can't for the life of me understand why we haven't picked that up. It baffles me completely because it's not, you know, it, it was a quick corner, but not quick as, as in we're all completely out of the place. We have, I think it was every man in the box. And I don't know why we can't, or we, someone will be picking up the short corner, but why? Surely we need to be thinking to get out and close. I think it was Zinchenko, wasn't it, at the ed- yeah. at the edge of the box? I, I don't, I don't understand. To me, that's the most basic of basic things. You, every man marks someone, surely, or is that being too simple? No, well, it looked like a carbon copy to me. And even they were even after they scored from that, they were still doing it at short corners, and we we still yeah. weren't weren't that sharp to it. And you could see a couple of players going out to. to the corner taker and whoever was taking it with him. Sorry, my old age, but I can't remember. I'm, I'm... Yeah. You could see two of our players going across, but then still the, the person playing, you know, on the edge of yeah. the box. Nobody nobody thinking to go and close him down. It, like you said, it's just it just seems to be basics for me. And this is this is probably um probably a very simplistic way of looking at it. But knowing that Arsenal had to force the game, probably listen, I know we're at home and the owners should be on us, but the points probably mean more to them than us at the moment in terms of where, where it can get them and what they can achieve. Yeah. Knowing that Arsenal had to force the game, why did we and why do teams, ignorant old man here, but why do teams always never refuse to put a player further up the pitch from when you're defending set pieces? And um, because Arsenal are able to bring everybody in and around Villa's box, whereas you put yeah. Bailey up, up high or Duran or you put um, Watkins up high, you're at least taking one, possibly two yes. people out of the way. And yeah. then it probably limits the options of what they can do, either with bodies in the box or bodies around the box for short short corners. But um, one of our tactical tactical experts at work, one of our scouting writers, did, did explain once why why it was done. But I can't... <laughs> I clearly well, can't... I'm... I'd love to have know. You, have, you got, have you got any kind of tactical now in White? No, no, I, that was again like Sunday League. The quickest guy on the pitch, if you're defending a corner, go go stand on the halfway line. So if we could boot it, and I know it sounds simple, but it's right because it takes a man out from their side. Like, you would have thought of Zinchenko if, if we've got a Villa player behind him. He's thinking, oh, well, I've got someone on my shoulder, or just my marking. I don't understand it, and I'd love to be proven wrong, but I don't know 
I can't see an argument against it. I know it's like wise after the event, but we've seen Stevenage. It's going to keep happening. And you say it wasn't just the Zinchenko one. There was, was a, they worked one to um, Saka as well to try and make it free too. And we didn't mark that. And I think his shot went, uh, was blocked or something. Or it might have even been before Jorginho. Was Jorginho as a set piece as well? It's completely gone out of my head because I've been mad. But I, I don't know where that came from. I would have presumed it was from some sort of set piece somewhere. And again, it's whatever it is, it's at the edge of the box and we don't have someone on him and we're not quick enough um, to mark him. And we'll speak about that goal. Obviously, it was a nice hit, but technically off target because it's hit the bar. So, um, on, the, on, the, on the Zinchenko goal, is, was yeah. that the one where people are saying that um, Nketiah was... I think it was... An offside position? I think it was the Jorginho one. And the only thing I would say about that would be, and I don't know because I'm not a referee, although I don't know if the referees know either, um, because it's hit the bar and come off Martinez. I don't know if that means that it's like a different phase of play. I've no idea just because it's not, do you know what I mean? Because I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm making that up. Um, but to me, that would be offside, wouldn't it? Because his vision is, uh, he doesn't have the right vision. So, who knows, he might not have even dived for it because he would have thought it was hitting the bar, which is unlikely, but you can't rule it out. So, yeah, I suppose you've got a claim for it to be offside, but it's, I'll be honest, it's hard to sort of, I don't have the energy to bring up a, you know, what's happened's happened. And it was going to happen, let's be honest. I think on the, 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 set, wasn't the script was set. There's a mate of mine who's an Arsenal fan and he was saying, oh, Martin has got what, got what was coming to him because of all his time wasting. I said, I, yeah. I said, don't take it personally. I said, he's not just done that because it's you. <laughs> That's his can game, we, but can we talk about listen. that. Why, why, just quickly, why do Arsenal fans boo Martin? I've, I don't get it because he won an FA Cup and then left because he wasn't getting game time, and then they booed him. I don't get it I, unless I've missed something that he said about them. But I've, yeah, I don't understand it. Years there, they didn't give him a chance, and now and then he won an FA Cup for them. Well, yeah, I was they... half thinking, you know, when they were, um, I mean, he was when he's on when it's your player, you like a yeah. bit of the kind of, um. The, the whatever the housery the, the shit housery, um, I've said it, um, but I can understand. I'll get my words out in a minute. I don't know why they don't like you, but I was I was, I was laughing when they were doing when when he was wasting time and when he was when he was trying to kind of run down the clock, and they were giving him loads of stick. I was thinking, well, like you said, you know, he, he waited long enough. He waited. He waited long enough for you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You waited like yeah, for yeah. you and his at Arsenal. Um, but listen, if you're on the other side of that, if you're oh, an Arsenal yeah. fan, you're going to absolutely bask in that, aren't you? You're going to love it. You know, the ball, he, he, he wastes time, he, he tries to frustrate you, and then the ball goes in off the back of his head or, or off his back or whatever. So if, if the, I know it's hard after a defeat, but if the boot was on the other foot, we'd be, we'd be absolutely reveling in it, wouldn't we? Yeah, it's like a, if they could make a, a perfect trip to Villa Park, that would probably be the script, wouldn't it? Um, you could argue that he's Martinez is, well, I think. No, you can argue that it was Martinez's fault for the fourth goal as well. And I know Emery has um, spoken about that. I think he was asked, did you let him go up? And he said no. So uh, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't like that because that I don't know how that can happen. I don't know. So as Martinez just decided upon himself, obviously because I'm embarrassed by you know, the ball's gone off my back and I feel like I need to make amends for it. I'm going to go up for the corner now and that's presumably what he's done. I don't know the full story, but if Emery's come out and said that he didn't order him to do that, then Martinez is just, uh, I don't know. What do you, how do you feel about that, Matt? Because I think that's... Yeah, um, I think I'm a, in danger of being a bit wise after the event here because you see goalkeepers going up lots of times and it not you know, not not necessarily scoring, oh, yeah. but it not 
but not ending in that corner. My my thought is if you're gonna put that many people in the in the box, why don't you just have Matty yeah. Cash up there? Because you know, Martinez yeah. probably edges him in terms of height, but Matty Cash, you'd imagine, heads the ball more often than um than Martinez does. So if you're gonna do that to force the issue, because that's what you're trying to do, to overload the box as much as you can. Yeah. Why why Martinez in the box and Cash standing outside? I don't I don't understand it. Um but listen, the game the game was gone. The game was gone by then. Um so I'm not going to be too too. Listen, we, we, I've quoted you eleven goals in in three games conceded stat, but I'm not too fussed about that. It was the one before it that really yeah. hurt, rather than that one. No, oh, yeah, I I um I don't leave games early before people say in the comments I'm a plastic fan or whatever. But <laughs> as soon as the ball went over for Martinelli, my seat's relatively quite. It's in the Trinity and it's quite close to the seats. As soon as he took it past the halfway line, I started to go. I, I'm not seeing that. Um, but I don't. I know there's been a lot of comments about it as well, but I'm not. I don't. I just don't like the precedent that Martinez feels like. Oh, okay, I'm going to do this on myself. Like, because I don't know whether, and I'm not trying to insinuate anything, but would he do that on Emery's first game, for example, before he's won a World Cup? I don't, or any, do you know what I mean? I, he's not going to just randomly do that. I don't know if he's getting a bit like. Um, I don't want to say anything out of order, but I just don't feel like he would do that if he hadn't. Do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. It becomes... you're, not, you're, not power, you're not more powerful than the manager. If the manager told you to do it, then that's fine. But if he hasn't given you that order, I don't think you can do that because you're just risking us a goal and we don't want to lose the game 4-2. So... Yeah, I, think, I think it's a team sport. And in those moments, you've got to put the put the team first. And, yeah. you know, he probably is feeling a bit embarrassed and a bit frustrated and wants to right a wrong as quickly as he can. Um, but I don't know. I don't watch him in training. I don't know how many heady goals he scores from corners yeah. in training, to be honest. So... Maybe maybe you heard Neil Cutler in the back of his head, go on, Emmy. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm cutting some slack on it because we know how good he is. But yeah, I just don't like the idea that a player has felt the need to go not against the manager, but not done it on his command. I'm, I'm not keen on that. Um, but yeah, I suppose we've got to just bounce back against Everton now, Matt, with three losses on, on the bounce, which is all of a sudden becoming a... Well, it's a bad run. Obviously, we've played Arsenal and Man City in there. Um but yeah, we need to bounce back against Everton else. It's going to be a long season, uh, long end to the season. I'll tell you the, um, I'll tell you the uh, thing that um, amused me. It amused me at the time when we were still too old. Didn't amuse me when they went on and won the game. It was um, when Arte- when Arteta was having a bit of a having a bit of a freak out on the sideline because the referee had brought back the, the free yeah. kick because the ball was rolling. And giving it like this, like loads, like mocking the referee. And I thought, well, I heard, yeah, this is this is bit of Villa fan talking now, bitter, hurt, defeated Villa fan talking. But I heard something on the radio yesterday or, or this morning saying Arteta saying that he thinks that Arsenal would be the people's champions, um, and that, that neutrals would want would want Arsenal to win. And I thought, well, I, I wouldn't mind. You know, I don't I don't tend to look that high up the league, but I, I don't, don't don't mind Arsenal winning. But because it's somebody new and it's you know it's, it's shaking things up a little bit, but I just think little bits of pettiness like that don't do you any favors. I mean, I think um, Jaka had been taken off, hadn't he, and then ran onto the pitch all the yeah. way from the the Trinity dugouts to to celebrate with the, the Arsenal fans. Thinking, well, maybe maybe I'm just being a little bit sour grapes and, and a bit petty, but you know, if you want to kind of win as champions and be the people's champions, although there's no such thing. Just do it with a bit of class. 
Yeah, I think there was a moment last year when they won late against Wolves as well. I think they've got that sort of streak in them, haven't they, Arsenal? Uh, people's champions. No one's a people's champion unless it's your own club. I've never really understood that. But yeah, yeah you're certainly not going to be Arsenal if they're going to um, do things that, again, like if it's your club, you don't care. But, you know, you can't really... Um, yeah, I understand. Well, listen, I'm just, I'm just moaning for the sake of it. And listen, maybe that is the, the mark of... Arsenal have been accused of being a soft touch in the last, well, since Wenger sure. left, really, and, and for the two or three years before Wenger left. So maybe having that little bit of kind of arrogance, that edge, yeah. that streetwise nature, maybe that is what is, what's the difference? Maybe that's the extra still that's made them challenges this year. So I'm just bitter because I thought that we should have got something out of that game. So, um, yeah, just in case we get any Arsenal fans digging me out in the in the comments. <laughs> hey, what did you think of, um, I'm jumping all over the place here, what did you think of the Bailey Chance that that Ramsdale's managed to Ramsdale's touched that onto the bar, hasn't he? Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that, Matt. Um, yeah, it was that a breakaway from a corner. I'm not too sure. Uh, but you it, remember, it, 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 like yeah. he was heading out by yeah, the did, uh, He did have the best first touch you've ever seen. I think people thought he's no, there's no way he's going to keep that in, and almost kind of took a breath. The Arsenal defence. He managed to kill it, get yeah. away, and you know hit it quite cleanly. And I just oh. thought. It's those moments in it. Sometimes those moments can decide titles. And that was the point where I turned to my dad and my brother and I said, ah, oh, we know what's happening. So that, that was the script, as we just said. Um, he had a moment a couple of minutes before then, if I remember, and he, he shifted it onto his left from Gabriel and it was like a bit of a one-on-one situation. You just think, oh, just bend it towards the far corner like you usually do. And I think he chopped back on his right. And it was like, oh, that's probably just an out of... Oh, un, uh, an unconfident Leon Bailey. And then when he had the second chance, which is one we've just said, that's when he hits it with his right foot, which he wouldn't do normally. So, um, yeah, that's the difference. I think John Duran also had a moment as well. Um, I don't think he ever believed he was going to score that. Well, I didn't uh, believe he was going to score it anyway. Bailey was running down the middle again, but I actually thought the right option was to just continue running because whatever the... I don't know how to say it, but when it was a two-on-one, I think. And so, as far as you go, there's always going to be an option to play it to Bailey. Oh, the goal will open for yourself. But I think, he did he hit it with his right foot or with his left foot? I can't. Remember, I think he was just his left and just yeah. kind of didn't didn't get hold of it very well. What did you think of him, John? Uh, again, really impressive. I uh, really like. What do you think of John being spelt with a H in front of an O? <laughs> I was going to change my uh, my Twitter name to that one. We signed him, and I thought, no, nah, that's just weird. Um, but I really like him. I, I was again. I turned to my dad and my brother, and I said, uh, "Who does he remind you of?" Because I can't work it out. It's like a mix of different players, um, which is a good thing. I like that he's. Just come in straight away, and he's um, he doesn't look out of place at all. He, he's obviously got the physicality for the league already, which is great. He's obviously a big size. He's quick. He seems to have a good touch as well. He puts himself about. I don't. There's not a lot wrong with him, but I do remember when Keenan Davis had the best debut that I've ever seen against Norwich. Do you remember that when he uh, the Conor Horan hat trick in the four yeah. two? He slammed the bar or something, Davis, and he didn't quite get his goal, but he was incredible. We need to obviously see John Duran score a couple of goals, but again, uh, he's 19 years old in the Premier League. Like, I think what he's doing is um, superb, and it's um, yeah, really exciting. It'll be interesting to see what we do in the summer. I know Emery wants to sign a more experienced striker, but at the moment, you've got Ollie Watkins, who's one of the informed players in the league. Only uh, Haaland and Rashford have scored more goals than him since the World Cup, or since the World Cup ended. And then a John Duran, who's uh, looking really good. So I wonder how he's gonna. Um, I suppose they'd play where Bailey has been playing. So, yeah, we do need a striker. It was, it's just interesting to see which sort of profile he goes for. But uh, in terms of Duran, I've been, yeah, really, um, really impressed with him. 
I think he's um I don't know to say this because it probably sounds like I'm slagging him off, but I don't I don't mean it like this. I think he plays like well, certainly the bits that I've seen, I've only seen the same bits as everybody else in the last couple of weeks. He plays like a fan would play, not not in terms of ability, just in terms of the way he's putting it, like I say, he's putting himself about. He's got energy. I think there's time when he'd only be on the pitch about two minutes, he was trying to lift the fans. Um <laughs> today and he's just got that real kind of I don't know, just intensity. Energy. About. Yeah, yeah. There was a moment, oh, I think it was, the ball went out a couple of minutes after he had that chance. And did you see him? He just slumped to the, he fell on his back or something inside the box. And I was thinking, get up. The ball's still in play. I don't know what he's doing. But um, yeah, he's got that energy about him and he lifts the team, I think, when he comes on as well. So um, I know there's probably a lot of calls for him to start games. But I think at the moment, him just coming off the bench, it gives you an extra, uh, you know, 10% or whatever it may be. And after he did come on, that's when we had the Bailey chance. That's when we had his chance and then another Bailey chance. So, you know, against Man City, we score straight after he comes on. Against Leicester, he was only on the pitch for a couple of minutes, but he looked good. And uh, and today we could have scored a goal as soon as he's come on. So he, he creates uh, a bit of chaos too, which is good. And my only thing is that I don't know what striker develops rapidly up until they're 21 and is so good to start for a team in the Premier League. That's my only thing. It's usually a more gradual thing and they'll get yeah. you know to the top level at 25 onwards yeah. so it's we would have made a really good signing for him to be where we want him to be in only a couple of years that's the only thing yeah. i think he's a bit too young at the moment but only yeah positives to say about him i don't think that rawness is a bad thing though you know like yeah. i say we're not going to be starting with him every week but if he can if he can give you that different dimension and you know for all ollie watkins is kind of you know kind of determined running he's mm-hmm. not he, he's not going to kind of bully that many defenders, yeah. Watkins. And I think if you've got somebody who can come on and do it a little bit differently, then, you know, it just gives you the option to ch- to change games up, doesn't it, late on? Um, yeah. And, yeah, just the only other thing I was going to mention, I don't know whether we've, we've probably been through a lot of it chronologically. Um, just McGinn, I thought, you know, uh, there's lots of question marks about McGinn. You know, there's question marks when he got the captaincy and people saying that he's not been the same for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, as the team outgrown McGinn, I think it's a bit unfair on McGinn to kind of question. Not, listen, he's got to fight for his place like everybody else. But today I saw somebody who, who does want to fight for his place, who does want to play for this manager and, and really be part of this club. Uh, listen, I don't think he was on the ball that often. You know, yeah. I think, you know, he tried to wriggle through, didn't he? Had a bit of a weak back pass of a shot um, towards the old end second half. But I actually think that just, you know, if that's his first game back and he's going to be a little bit rusty after after injury, I thought to play with that kind of, like I say, that intensity and that tempo, I thought he was, I thought he was really impressive. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned this stuff about on the ball. Again, this isn't the game for that, but we do know he came up with a key moment against Brighton to win us that penalty. And I think he played the ball through for Douglas Louise against Tottenham, if I'm not mistaken. So we know he's got uh, quality anyway, but I think him being in that more advanced role where he doesn't have to look over his shoulder and cover the right back like he was doing under Gerrard and towards uh, the back end of Dean Smith as well, he he has that licence to be more free and be the sort of motoring John McGinn that we know he can be, that we saw in the Championship. So that's taken his game, not necessarily onwards, but it's just allowed him to be the player that we know he can be. So, yeah, there was a lot of criticism for him, especially towards the back end of Gerrard. But I think he's proven that he's still the player that we all know he, he can be. And he's definitely got a future as well. And uh, Emery, I think he said that he's not going to be changing the captain. I'm not too sure if he meant now or at the end of the season. I'm not too sure. But you would have thought that 
if he's been asked about that, he would uh, say, "Well, that's something I'll look in the summer." If he wasn't, if he was, sorry, planning to take him, uh, take him, take the armband off of him. Uh, so no, yeah, really good. Um, any other points, Matt, from the game? Just looking, just looking ahead to the next few fixtures now. We've got Everton next week. I'm just looking down now. Palace at home, West Ham away. I, dare, I hate saying this when you know we've got a winnable run of games. You know they're only winnable if you win them, aren't they? Um, yeah, we. we uh, I remember I did the post match with Dan for Tottenham, and we read out Wolves, Stevenage, uh, Leicester. There was another one in there, and we were thinking, oh, we'll win all of those games, and we've come out with like the worst run that we've had under Emery. Um, but yeah, I suppose every game is going to be competitive. I think Everton next week will be tough. I don't know what the Everton score is. Love you quickly check. I know this isn't. Uh, oh, they've just beat Leeds 1 0. That's a big result for Everton. So that'll be a very tough game next week. Um, that's a great win for Everton, actually. That's going to be Banton yeah. at Goodison. That's going to be difficult because if, if they can get something against us, then all of a sudden it looks much much better picture for them. I think Wolves are losing to uh, Bournemouth as well at home. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then Palace. Palace is a big game because that's the team that's on our, on our tails, I suppose, at the moment because we had a bit of breathing room at the top of the second half of the table. So we need to get results soon, else we'll be stuck again in 14th or so if we don't start to win a couple of games on the spin. If we can get a win against Everton and beat Palace, all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, we can now you know, climb that top 10 place after a decade. But if not, and we're you know, struggling for wins and sort of performing inconsistently like we were under Gerrard, then you're thinking it's going to be another season of finishing in 12th to 14th. And I don't want to do that. Yeah, just like I said, just need to the last last three results have not not necessarily been great, but you know you probably don't. You, I don't want to be defeated because we want to have greater ambitions than this, but you probably don't expect us to great, get a great deal from Manchester, Manchester City, and Arsenal. We haven't. Yeah. The Leicester one was yeah. a bit of a shocker, but we've got a chance to to move on again now. You know, I, unless I'm I'm wrong, our kind of casualty list seems to have eased a little bit now. Does, who, who's out missing at the moment? I don't think I think the only one that's out is Diego Carlos, and obviously he's coming back, so there's no casualties as far as I think Bertrand Traore and Tyron Mings were the only two that were um, out in recent weeks. So unless I've missed someone out, I don't think we have anyone on the injury list at the moment. So we're in good shape, you know. We've got how many how many games left? No, about twenty. I think it's sixteen. Sixteen, maybe. I don't know where I've got twenty from. Um, Yes, we've we've got a good good chunk of games left. We've got a, a squad that at the moment are, are fit, and we've got theoretically we've got games that we can be com- competitive in and and go to yeah. win. So, as grim and as flat and as disappointed as I felt as I've trudged away from Villa Park today, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, it's 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 mo- those moments. Start controlling those moments. You know, we, we're good in attacking moments generally. Start attacking, controlling those moments at the back, and I think we can we can look up with with optimism. And you know, what what's what was our what was the last time we finished in the top ten under who, who day was it? Yeah, it would have been ten. Was it ten eleven? So yeah, eleven. I think it would have been. And what was our high, what's our highest finish since we've got back eleventh? Yeah. So. You know, yeah. you're not sure that it's not all bad. the difference between finishing tenth and eleventh is not not suddenly going to, you know, uh, uh, yeah, mass riches. But it's just those little signs <laughs> of progress, isn't it? So I think it's definitely something within yeah. our grasp still. So yeah, I wrote I wrote that in a piece. I said the difference between finishing eleventh and tenth will have absolutely no bearing to where Villa are when we kick off against 
the Bournemouth or whoever it is on the first game of next season. They'll have absolutely no bearing whatsoever, but it's just hitting a bit of momentum while we can, because what we don't want to do is, again, win one, lose one throughout the end, from now to the end of the season and you're finishing 12th and 13th. You just, you just, you don't want the season to peter out like it probably is going to do. Um, 16 games left, as you say, there's plenty of football to play, but also you don't want it to be a thing if we don't have much to play for. I mean, the top 10, if you're not going to start winning games against Everton and sides like that, is just going to not be a attainable target in the end. So we do need to get results. So we had breathing room and now we don't. So, yeah, we need to start picking up again. I think Chelsea might have just lost to uh, Southampton at home or they're losing in like the last seconds. So, again, if we could have got something tonight or today, then you go into Everton thinking we could get in the top 10 with a win. So, yeah, it's a crazy season, I think, this year. So we'll um, we'll plough on. I think, yeah, yeah, we'll see where we go. Is that... Is that everything done, Matt? Anything yeah, else? before we go, just as a fellow, what was the last home match before today? Leicester won it. There's a fellow I bumped into called Steve Foxall, um, the head of the Leicester game, who's um, a Villa a Villa fan of many years vintage. So uh, he's a fan. Well, I say, I say he's a, I say he's a fan of the, uh, I say he's a fan of the podcast. I think he's a fan of Aston Villa podcast generally. He spotted <laughs> me over the road. And he said, "Are you Justin?" And I think he's just the one who does the uh, is he up the Villa podcast. I think I think just yeah. a fellow bald man. Uh, I said I'm not. I said I'm I'm Matt. Oh Matt, yeah, I love your show. So he loves one of these shows anyway. So everyone he's watching. Um, it was good to see you the other week, Steve. Anyway, and I hope you're um, hope you're well. You're not too too despondent after today's match. So yeah, yeah I'm done, mate. I'm gonna. Um, I think it's chippy tea, chippy tea tonight. Um, a few beers, and then I've got the week off. So everything's good with the world. I'm working in the morning, so <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks everyone for um, watching and stomaching that uh, forty-minute podcast. And I think we'll be back. Ne- I think Dan's back next week. Yeah. I think uh, finally. So he'll probably be doing I don't know a midweek show potentially, or maybe just the preview for um, who we play next. Everton away. That's a Saturday, three o'clock, I think. So, presser will be Friday. So, um, potentially a video on Friday. Thanks, everyone, for uh, interacting in the comments as well. And I suppose keep the faith up the villa. Yeah, up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa.